0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
1: The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. It's a Monday night. It's a simple one. We ask you, who were your heroes and who were your villains from the round of footy or just the round and weekend of sport? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Yes. uh, Good evening. Uh, Welcome to and welcome back. If you're just joining us or you've stuck with us, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, is the number on time uh, on Sporting Capital. I was filling in for Sam Edmund on time on from earlier, uh, and we back into time on tomorrow. It can get confusing, can't it? With so many Sams and so many time slots to fill. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, we do heroes and villains. On a Monday night, just repeating the uh, NAB Rising Star nominee for round 14 is Essendon's Harrison Jones. Uh, 14 disposals, 8 marks, 5 of those contested and all of them were just sensational. And uh, 2 goals uh, against the Hawks. He really shows a lot of promise, Harrison Jones. There's a lot to like about the way that the boy from Gisborne goes about it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen 1116 to have your say on that. Uh, so why don't we just jump straight into it. Uh, on a Monday night, heroes and villains. Let's start it off, uh, Heroes and Villains, uh, on a Monday night. one 736 736 of course, is the number. Uh, But I'd love to hear yours, uh, of course, uh, as well as mine. So get your calls in. We'll see what's in the prize cupboard. one 736 736 is the number for Heroes and Villains. So let's start uh, with the heroes. And it absolutely is very hard to go past this, man.
0: And across the comp this season, you would say it couldn't be in better hands... A step inside the 50, Gary Rowan takes the shots. It's a goal. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot.
1: Brilliantly called uh, by Jerry Whateley, as always, and a wonderful moment, perfectly executed by Gary Rowan. But it's not just he uh, that is a hero nominee this week, because you've got to give a hero nomination to Isaac Smith, who put the ball beautifully into space. The kick had to be perfect, and it was. He'd snuck out the back, Gary Rowan. He didn't get sucked up to the ball, as uh, his direct opponent sort of had to in the moment that ensued before that. So he stayed inside Ford 50. The kick had to get there quickly and uh, had to get over the top, and it did, and it was... Uh, perfectly done from Isaac Smith. But Joel Selwood tap before that as well was crucial. It just cleared the ball of congestion and then they were able to clear it away and and what unfolded we all know now. And is a little part of footy folklore and a man that's done that twice... Now, uh, after the siren, once as a swan and now once as a cat for Gary Rowan. Uh, Jake Stringer's performance as well is worthy of a a hero nomination. This was Ben Rutten when speaking uh, about Jake Stringer, who kicked four goals, had 29 disposals, 10 inside 50s, 12 score involvements, almost 700 metres gained, four centre clearances as part of his six overall clearances and was clearly the match winner for Essendon on Sunday.
2: Yeah, really pleased with his his four-quarter effort. Um, I mean, we love love the fact they hit the scoreboard, but you know, I was, yeah, probably most pleased with his. Uh, I think he had seven or eight tackles. He's you know um, pressured the ball well and brought his teammates into the game. And you know, he's a he's one of those unique players in the competition. He's got the ability to do that. What we need to keep keep supporting Jake to do is you know we understand that was a pretty standout performance, but um, you know, just to keep producing, you know, his best footy week in, week out and, and understanding what that is. And uh, Tonight was a great uh, look at what, what he's capable of doing and, you know, he's been training really hard. He's been really putting in and, and, and committed to producing that sort of performance and, um, you yeah, know, it was a fantastic reward for that.
1: Uh, it certainly was. So now the question is, after that performance from Jake Stringer, what's that worth? And we've been having a chat earlier in time on about, what do you pay a guy that, that – what do you pay the enigmatic, the, the potential match winner, the person who can put in a performance like that but sometimes uh, isn't able to get it done like that? And he's playing a sort of different role this year, Stringer, isn't he? And he's probably fitter than he's ever been, maybe since the 2016 Premiership year of the Dogs. But he, he starts in the middle at times and then works his way straight forward. And it's very similar to what um, Richmond do with Dustin Martin, of course. But Dustin Martin can sort of spend a bit longer on the nut – but Jake Stringer now is... So the four centre clearances, that's a big tick. And the four goals, that's perfect. Getting the ball inside 50. And there was a real hunger and a real intent for him to tackle. So he he laid some great tackles. And I think a smother at one point as well. So his defensive forward stuff, which I don't remember us really ever speaking about when it came to Jake Stringer, that really stood out from the game on the weekend. And if that's going to be the unconditional stuff that... Week in, week out, Jake Stringer will make sure that, th- that there's the tackling inside 50 and there's the chase down and there's the physical presence. Um, that's brilliant. That's that's all that Essendon could hope for. And then when those moments can come and he can play that match winner, then you know you've got that X-Factor player, but then how much do you pay that person? And Gary Lyon has spoken today about making it an incentivised contract. I'm a big fan of those. I don't understand why we don't do them in the AFL. And we've had some people point out that, It can make the salary cap quite complicated because you do have to pay a minimum amount of your salary cap each year. So how do you factor that in if those extra targets aren't hit that would trigger the extra payments? But I reckon there's people employed that are smart enough to figure that out. Uh, And then would you run in a situation where a player is playing for their own bonuses? Well, yeah, you you might. But if if that happens, then coaches will identify that pretty quickly and that person will find themselves uh, outside the team, let alone outside the money. So I think that would keep those kind of situations in check. But they work well in the NFL um, where you, you you see that so many, especially defensive players, tend to have those in their contracts and, and then some of the positional players on offense as well. If you clock up a certain amount of yards, clock up a certain amount of catches, certain amount of TDs for the year, there's bonuses that come with that. So your earning potential can be quite high. Your base has to be um, comfortable. But then instead of saying, okay, we'll just pay you eight or nine hundred thousand a year and then hope that it's not just once in a blue moon that you play those games, whereas you say, right, well, this is your base and it's up to you if you earn the rest one But I totally agree with Gary Lyon saying that, that he's exactly the type of player. And that this is not a knock on Jake Stringer. It's just there are types of these players in all teams. You know, Jordan degoey's one. Um, we're trying to figure out, you know, is Isaac Rankin one of those guys? And we're seeing now that um, he has the ability to turn it on. But we know that they're paying him an absolute fortune up there in what's his second or third year. Third year. Um so they're sort of throwing some of that money away, especially with young players who are still developing and still learning. One three hundred seven, three six, seven three, six. Who from your club? If you don't have a hero and villain, talk me through who you think at your club is the perfect player to be on an incentive-based contract. One three hundred seven three six, seven, three six. Another hero nomination, the Launceston crowd. You were sensational. And I'm told, and we hear that there were people that drove from Hobart to Launceston because our Essendon fans, who hadn't seen the team there since 1992, and they just wanted to get around the Bombers and the atmosphere. We called that game, and we had to do it off the TV, um, obviously with our own travel restrictions. But we the, we have a mic at the crowd uh, at the game, and it was just coming through in spades how invested, how passionate, and uh, and how keen the people of Launceston were to get a quality game of football with two big teams there. So I just, that, that was one of the highlights of my weekend just to, to – because I think it was a statement made. It was a big – a big statement put squarely on the chin of the AFL to say if you don't think that we're, there's an appetite down here for a team, then you've got another thing coming. The night before wasn't great, and we might bring that up in villains. We did speak about it on Sunday, and we copped a lot of flack from people living in Hobart as to why – they didn't turn up to the North Melbourne and Brisbane game. Even though North have been going down there for several years now, Brisbane are a top four side. Yes, it wasn't a great game of footy, and yes, it was cold uh, in Hobart that night. But I saw a bloke wearing shorts up on the hill. But I'll get to that in villains. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Your heroes and villains. Uh, Toby Green, absolutely a hero nomination, and and we'll get a villain nomination too. Don't worry. But we'll start. We are starting with the heroes. So. Uh, with that in mind, um, this was Leon Cameron speaking uh, about Toby Green. 17 disposals. He kicked four goals, including the goal of the year for mine, that monstrous, monstrous top from inside the centre square. And this was Leon Cameron after Toby Green was the difference in the Giants' win, 36 points over the Blues uh, on Saturday night.
3: Yeah, um, I was coming down the lift, so I actually didn't see it. And then someone just informed me just then that he kicked the barrel uh, just on quarter time. So, look, he... Um Look, he's a wonderful player. He's had a, you know, wonderful year. He's, um, and he's a great leader of our footy club. And um, you know, he's um, he's letting his footy do the talking, but equally, marshing up the troops, along with Finlayson. I thought Finlayson had a really good, strong say in the match with his, not just his clear ability to score, but. but his leadership was, you know, there on show, and um, which is quite hard for him because he's a quite young, introverted young fellow. And I thought he really led the charge. But yeah, Toby's had a wonderful year, and I mean, those things that, you know, those brilliant things that he can do, no doubt they, um, you know, they pop up every week. Were you, were you surprised at all by the report against him for striking Newman in the third quarter? Again, I've just been informed when I was walking in, so I haven't seen the incident. But I will say that um, I think you know Toby's in the last couple of years has gone a long way to tidying up a lot of those things. And you know, when I have a look at it later on tonight or tomorrow, I'd be really surprised if there was anything in it. Um, he's really you know tidied up in that area and let his footy do the talking and let his leadership do the talking. So. Um, You know, um, I'm not too concerned about it, but, you know, making sure that um, he keeps addressing all the areas of his game and and what he can improve on. Uh,
1: That was Leon Cameron speaking about uh, all the things he didn't see with Toby Green uh, over the weekend. But there is no doubt that Toby Green is one of the best players in the competition. For a guy his size... The amount of contested marks he takes, the fact that he is really the focal point up forward for them and the fact that he stepped into that captaincy with out and out aplomb, plomb. And um, you heard people speaking throughout the day in regards to his leadership. And Lockie Whitfield was on with Gary and Tim this morning, SEN.com.au, that just said that he is fantastic at the pregame rev really knows how to deliver a pre-game pump-up, and, and they've been loving that. So for his leadership and for his game-winning ability, I mentioned the Swamp Thing on Twitter. uh was putting up how many players this year had had 17 disposals and four goals in a game. Well, there's about three or four players that have done it twice. Nobody's done it three times. Toby Green's the only one that's done it four times. Uh, to be able to have an influence with ball, and but also to be able to have scoreboard impact as well. It's a rare blend uh, that some players are able to... Contribute, And that's what makes him so special. And he is one of the most special players in the competition. Uh, off the text, 98 11 16 on the incentivised contracts. Doesn't that run the risk of players playing selfish footy to hit their targets? Scott and Sunbury, that's come up a couple of times, Scotty. I don't think coaches would allow that. They would know they would that would be whacked on the head very, very quickly. And if you did it twice... You do it once, you'll cop a serve. Do it twice, and you'll be in the twos. And it's very hard to get your KPIs and get your bonuses triggered from playing in the Magoos. Uh, And off this or off the text, any chance you could get excited when you call the Hawks? You're allowed to. That's from BC in Geelong. I I think I call the Hawks the same as I call any team. I am a Hawks member. I've barracked for them since I was five years old. I think I'm just the same with Hawthorne as, as any other side. I get excited for when they do something exciting in the call and, I, I, I truly believe that I switch off from being a Hawthorne supporter when I when I watch them play. I think only once I can remember getting quite frustrated with them. But I would hope that in that call, if it wasn't for me telling you, that that, I, that you wouldn't have known that I was a, a Hawthorne fan. But I appreciate the feedback, BC. Maybe I'm underplaying it a little bit. I'll go back and have a listen. Uh, thank you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Paul's in Hampton with a hero nomination. G'day, Paul.
0: Yeah, you know, I just reckon you're probably, I mean, he's on topic at the moment, but Jake Stringer has to be for the week considering yeah. the impact he had on the game. Um, he, he took the moments and if it was anyone else that had done it more consistently, everyone would be talking about it like the Toby Green. But um, unfortunately, he's probably the villain at the same point because he hasn't been as consistent for what his ability um, could be on the big stage. So if you're you'd probably love what he did on the weekend, but it probably just shows as well what I think Kane Corn highlighted this morning, that, you know, he turned up eight, nine kilos overweight, and he's put that out there last year. Um, And then, you know, to see the
1: disappointment that they encountered Mm. last year, he's he's just as much the villain of that side as well. So, Paul, I I, I think there's a lot of valid points made there, and, and, and if... And if this is about ticking off boxes for Jake to say, hey, I am worth four years because there's reports that, that that's what he's after, a four-year deal, uh, and I don't think that's unreasonable that he would get a four-year deal. It's just about the, the how much and what the conditions around that are. And I'm sure they might even put in some, you know, some conditioning conditions. But this, so against Hawthorne, who who were fantastic, Hawthorne actually played really well yesterday, and it was a really good game of footy, uh, especially the second half. It was a bit low scoring in the first for mine, but the second half especially was great. The third quarter was electric. This is the week this week for Jake Stringer. So if he can have a game somewhere near that against Melbourne, the top of the ladder team, the, the, the current premiership favourite, then that's enough that that's probably an even bigger box to tick. So we've all seen that happen against Hawthorne. to to be able to do it this week against the best defense in the competition that would almost lock you in for for what you're after I, I would have thought. So his contract situation as
0: I was listening to that earlier the contracts driven by the market and the reason that they have to lock them in onto these contracts of 3 years, 4 years, 5 years and guaranteed money is the other clubs won't allow you to get away with a heavily incentivised contract. His manager will be talking to three, four clubs if on the other club, which they do every time you sit there and throw a ridiculous contract in front of someone you know you're not going to get um, but give them bargaining power at the, the table with their current club, which then your hope is forces their hand and their salary cap to a tighter squeeze so that they can't then come taking your players and I think that rivalry exists between many clubs and Essend especially one of those that seems to be always into everyone else's players. So I think the same thing comes back their way. And, you know, there'll be three, four clubs talking there. Jake Stringer's manager, how real it is, is probably a lot of it's just so-so talk, but they'll be throwing in figures to drive the price up for Essendon. Because if I'm sitting across the table as another list manager, I want to make sure they don't have the salary cap space on this beautiful 200 grand a year contract and another 400,000 incentivized. To be able to then come and target our players, so the market really is what plays that, and that that hence why people get ridiculous contracts for four, five, six years
1: because you're forced into that thing, or else you're going to lose the player. Uh, yeah, good points, Paul, and and that is a, that is a worry, and we've seen examples of where teams have been so desperate to miss out on someone that they've overpaid overpaid dramatically for them, and then they find themselves in a situation where maybe someone they had. In the fold the whole way has a breakout season. You're like, oh, geez, we don't have any money to pay for them, and the person we're overpaying isn't really doing what we were hoping that they would do, and now we're in a spot of bother. So I think the clubs have just got to be um, a little bit tougher. It might be easier said than done, but you 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 can't you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's a it's a it's a simple expression. I know it's a cliche, but you've, you the the teams that really the, the, you look at every team that's been successful, every team that's had sustained success, and they just have refused to buckle. They've refused to buckle to exorbitant demands in their recruiting of players and in their retaining of players. And you just have to back yourself in. Because if people know and managers know that they can take you for a ride, then they'll – Then they'll. and I'm not accusing managers of doing anything wrong, and I shouldn't say take you for a ride, but – if, you're, if, if people know that you're a club that, plays, that pays overs, then that's what you're known for. But the teams that have had sustained success have never had to do it. So there isn't a... a you look at the Richmonds, how they've set up their salary cap structure. You look at Hawthorne in their successful era. Their biggest stars took massive pay cuts to remain successful and bring players in that they knew could help them win that next flag. And those players weren't even on big, big, big deals but it was about being successful. So the good clubs with the good culture don't overpay. Um, but, Paul, great points that you make. 1-300-736-736. Quick break. Back with more of your heroes and villains on the other side of this. Matt, Nick, Jonathan, stay right there.
3: You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN.
0: this time for Long to take
2: the lead in the U.S. Open. That's a goosebump moment.
0: I'm a big believer in karma, and after what happened a couple weeks ago, uh, I stayed really positive knowing big things were coming. I didn't know what was going to be, but I knew we're coming to a special place. I know I got my breakthrough win here, and it's a very special place for my family, and the fact that my parents were able to come. I got out of COVID protocol early. I just felt like the stars were aligning. And I knew my best goal was to come. And I have a hard time explaining what just happened, because I can't even believe I made the last two putts. And, and I'm the first Spanish ever to win the US Open. Uh, this was definitely for Seve. I know he tried a lot. And you know usually, we think a lot about him in the Masters. But I know he wanted to win this one most of all. And I
3: just don't know how to explain it.
1: Uh, John Rahm, uh, what a performance that was. So two weeks ago, he has a six-shot lead at the Memorial Tournament. Gets told he's tested positive for COVID and has to withdraw. Uh, that's what he was talking about with believing in karma. And then he wins uh, the U.S. Open. And uh, U.S. Open, have I said that right? I've just had a, a, a mental blank. Uh, so he's his performance was just phenomenal. Well, it is the US Open. I just don't know why I doubted myself there. So it, the performance was absolutely phenomenal. He beats Louis Oosthuizen, um, and he was talking about Siri Ballesteros there, who was never able to win one. Uh, first player to win one from uh, Spain. And I just thought that that was absolutely worthy of a hero nomination, and the putt to, to, to get the lead was as <laughs> clutch as it gets. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Couple of the heroes. Melbourne Storm. What a performance this is at the moment. Uh, the Storm are having an incredible year. Take notice. They are the best defensive and the best offensive team in the competition, uh, especially offensively. They're 66-16 they're to 16 win over the West Tigers, who aren't much chopped, it must be said. But the Storm are going to win it again this year. They'll go back-to-back. Back. They ran over 12 tries, 66-16 to 16 win, and they are on fire at the moment. Uh, Melbourne City, congratulations into your second straight uh, A-League Grand Final against Sydney FC. Should be Saturday night at Amy Park, but still yet to be determined. They're waiting to see what crowd allocation they get. Um, Melbourne City are adamant that it should be at Amy Park that they've earned the right to play there. It would cost, according to a report in the Sydney Morning Herald by Vince Regari that it might cost the other clubs about a million dollars in, in shared revenue uh, that they can ill afford to lose. So there's a bit to play out there but congratulations to Melbourne City uh, who were minor premiers. They won the premiers plate uh, and uh, and hopefully can claim their first ever A-League Grand Final. Uh, Remy Gardner became just uh, the first ever Aussie to win three straight Moto2 events. Uh, the son of former legend Wayne Gardner uh, was on fire, and I heard that Mick Doohan and, uh, and uh, Trevor Bayliss' kids also uh, had good weekends on the bike in their respective divisions uh, as well. Uh, so one three hundred seven three six seven three six. your heroes and your villains. Melbourne United, of course, winning the opening two games of the NBL Grand Final Series on the road. First team that's had to... The first team that's actually... who's, had, who's finished highest on the ladder has had to go and play two away games to start the series since 2001 when Illawarra were able to host the first two games against Townsville, I reckon it was, or Cairns, and they actually won the series. But Melbourne United won't be denied. They've won games one and two, and Chris Golding is a big-time player. And you know someone's a big-time player because they step up in the biggest games, in the biggest moments, 23 points game one, 21 points in game two. He was all NBL second team this year, and I think he would still be a player that if you were picking your side, he is like the X Factor players that we've been talking about in the AFL. Like he averaged about 15 points a game this year, so he stepped up to 23 and 21 when it comes to the grand final series. He's a match winner and he was on fire uh, and they should wrap it up on Friday night, uh, but Perth deserve a heap of uh, praise as well and I think that's what Matt and Packenham wants to do. G'day Matt.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. speaking of the NBL, uh, my heroes are the Perth because with Bryce Cotton, the best player in the comp thing out, yep. I think a lot of people expected United just to breeze through this grand final series, win 3-0, which they might, but I think a lot of people were thinking they'd win easily, and these games have been pretty competitive.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them been going down to the wire. Then they've lost two extra uh, plays during the finals with Steinel and Luke Travers being out. And for some reason, the Perth, like their coaching system, it just, it still works, even without their best three players nearly. And even though, yeah, United are winning um, both
1: those games, have been really close. Yeah, great call, Matt. I couldn't agree with you more. Really admire the way that Perth go about it. There's a reason why they're the best franchise in NBL history. They're one of the best franchises in Australian sport. Um, they've won more NBL titles than anybody. They've played in nine out of the last 12 when their consistency is at a level that no other sporting organisation, maybe the Melbourne Storm, but apart from the Melbourne Storm, no one comes close to in Australian sport. Um, They've played, I think, in 35 final series in a row and nine out of the last 12 grand final series. They've won five out of the last 10, I think it is. Uh, They are an extraordinary organisation. And Trev Gleeson, deservedly the coach of the year. So in this series, of their starting five last year that won the title, four players aren't there. So four out of their five starters in last year when they won the title aren't playing in this uh, and they're still pushing Melbourne United all the way, who are fully fit except for Jack White, uh, of course. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. There's our heroes. If you've got some Villain nominations, I'll do mine next. But Nick in Mernda's going to get the ball rolling. G'day, Nick. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Um, yeah, a couple of points, what you have talked about tonight. The Villains, I think the whole Carlton footy team from
2: the weekend... And as far as um, contracts incentive base, we would probably have Sam Walsh and um, Jacob Wietering on fixed contracts and the rest, mate. We're just a selfish club. We're, we've paid so so high overs for our last three big recruits, your Saad, your uh, Williams and Jack Martin. And really, what have we got from them, really? It's just we're the opposite of those successful clubs, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that's been said about Carlton today, and they were in my villains as well, Nick. Um, So I I totally agree with you there. And and now a lot of people pointing the finger and putting David Teague under the microscope in just his second actual year as coach. He was a substitute teacher for the end of the season that went six and five, I think it was. And this is his second year in charge. So, you know, this is a club that's averaged a coach every 2.8 years over the last 20 years. And this was the coach that the players wanted. So they fought for... They fought for David Teague and then yet this is what they dish up under David Teague. I think that there's a lot of this that is squarely on what the players are dishing up. Um, there's a massive issue when you are, you are out possessioned. So I think they were negative, uh, they were minus 38 in possession but they were minus 37 in tackles and you lose a game by 36 points. Uh, it's a damning stat. It's an indictment on, on the playing group and I don't can't quite figure out what the problem is. And hopefully the review does figure out what the problem is. And we'll play some audio of what people have had to say throughout the course of the year, but it's really hard to put a finger on exactly what's going on. Uh, Michael Barlow spoke about entitlement of players. Nick Del Santo on the weekend spoke about the fact that they don't drop players who are out of form. Um, So there's a lot of views on Carlton. What's the right view? Well, it's very hard to tell, but leadership looks to be an issue. Uh, that's been spoken about from a lot of people. And I, I just feel for Carlton fans. I absolutely feel for Carlton fans. How much longer do they need to wait? How many more mistakes need to be made? Um, it's tough going. And please, St Kilda fans, don't at me, as the kids say these days, because I know you've been waiting far longer than anybody. And I feel for you most of all. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Jonathan and Paul, uh, Billy, stay right there. Your calls are straight after this uh, on the Sporting Capital SEN. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with
3: Sam Hargraves on SEM.
0: I had a really good pre-season and I've just been unlucky with little injuries that have popped up here and there, but I'm really confident with where I'm at right now and I've got a good
4: formula going and um, hopefully it's just a start, mate.
1: Jake Stringer speaking to Fox Footy after the win against the Hawks yesterday. He's been on the agenda today in the middle of contract talks at the minute, coming off a best on-ground performance against the Hawks. Uh, thank you to the lovely person who sent this text through, by the way. Jack Dewan races cars, F3. Uh, thank you for that part. This part's wonderful too. Stick to football and you stick to being a great person. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I just heard that in passing today when I heard about Bayless and Dewan's kids. Uh, I thought it was motorbikes. I didn't bother to go and check uh, and I apologise profusely to that person who I've clearly upset but I do thank you for the information correcting me 0433981116 off the temper text temper uh, a mattress like no other uh, Jonathan in South Melbourne has been waiting oh so patiently he's got a villain nomination to kick off the villains tonight hello mate yeah how you going Sam good thanks yeah look
4: let me preface by saying from the get go I'm a Bulldog supporter second generation villain is Jake Stringer all this all this contract talk and you know what he supposedly worth and so forth the first things first i'm coming from a cultural
1: just give loyalty me, just, give just give me 2 sec just give me 2 sec sorry jonathan yep. i just uh i'm just going to come back to you in just a moment i'm just having a hard time hearing you there i'll come back to you in just a moment um three hundred seven three six seven three six. billy's in epping who's got a uh, a hero for us. Stay there, Jonathan. I'm just going to fix that line up, and I'm going to come back to you, Billy. Hello to you. How you going, Tommy? Mate, I just got two points real quick.
2: First um, hero is Ben Cunnington, mate. I've I've got a man crush on him. I love the bloke. <laughs> um, he he brings our young kids into the game. He he makes them feel feel like ten men, mate. Absolutely. And I I, I just love him. I love everything about him.
1: Oh, I I don't, um, I don't think there's a club that wouldn't want him at theirs, Billy. He's, oh, absolutely, he's absolutely sensational. I've been saying for a few years, especially in the years where he's putting full seasons together. Put a jacket on him. He, he's um, he'll be he'll he'll end his career, and I hopefully he won't. Actually, hopefully he does get an All Australian blazer at some point. But if he doesn't, he'll be right up in that conversation as who's the best players to never have been All Australian, and I'll be putting him right at the top of the tree. I reckon. Absolutely, mate. And
2: just real quick, my second point is talk about a team in Tassie, and should there be a new team or a team relocating? Our name always seems to come up. Why we? Why is our name coming up, mate? Our, our, we're about to break our membership record. We've got hardly any debt. Then you got a team like some Kilda, never had any success. They're in a lot of debt. Well, I don't understand why our name keeps coming up.
1: Um, I don't like that either, Billy. Uh, I'm a big fan, and I'm hoping. Got fingers and toes and all things crossed that Tassie get a team sooner rather than later. I think they absolutely deserve it, but I don't want to see it at the expense uh, of a Victorian club. Uh, not every club has to be the biggest club in the game. Uh, every There's a place yeah, exactly. for smaller clubs. There There is uh, a romance to smaller clubs, and that's in sport all around the world. And so I don't want to see North Melbourne... Have to go. Um, I, I think that obviously to lose the money that the Tasmanian government would be giving North Melbourne because they'd be giving it to their own team would hurt uh, and and would be a big blow to them. But I'm but there's very um, smart and qualified people running the club that would be able to find that money elsewhere. I, I don't think it's fair that North Melbourne keep getting thrown up, Billy. I don't enjoy that either. Uh, I'm a big fan of what that club's been able to achieve uh, over its journey, and there's been mistakes along the way, but what club hasn't made mistakes along the way? So I, I feel you, mate. I, I don't think you deserve that.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Well, thanks for the call.
1: No, thank you for the call. Really appreciate it. I don't need to thank me. This uh, show is here for your calls, one Jonathan, have I got you there again? Yeah, I'm here. you hear me now? Yeah, what did you want to say about Jake Stringer?
4: Yeah, so basically, as I was saying, I, I you know, I'm a Let me preface by saying I'm a Bulldog supporter from the get-go. Okay. So, second-generation supporter, poured my money into the club through sponsorship, the whole lot, right? Yep, yep. Now, Stringer may be what he is, and that's fine, and it's all good, but let me preface by going back to the point of, first of all, you've got to look at culture and the quality in the person, first and foremost. Jonathan, if
1: you're about to defame a bloke on the show, if you're about to defame a bloke on the show, I'm 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 going to chop you off.
4: No, no, I haven't defamed him at all. I'm talking about culture within a club. That's the very first thing. And there's obviously a reason why Bevo made the decision to push him on. But in saying that, he made All Australian at the Doggies, I think it was 2005. He came on the scene. He was young. He was a fantastic player. I even thought he was going to be an Ablett senior type player. Okay? He went missing in 2016, he got dropped. He was lucky to make the grand final team. He kicked that goal in the, in the last quarter. Yeah, it was pretty vital, but he was really passenger in that game, maybe in the final series.
1: Didn't he have a good final series? I, I seem to remember he not had a good really. final series, but I could be wrong.
4: Not really. No, not really. He wasn't as dynamic as what he was in 2005. Uh, 2015, sorry. So he's he part of the premiership team. Uh, 2017, well, he went off the rails, whatever happened, and all that sort of stuff. So... His form's declined. Now, I don't know the exact stats within Essendon, but he hasn't made their top ten in their best and first since he's been at the club. Is that correct?
1: I'd have to double-check that. I don't have that information oh, well, in front sure of me. I'm pretty sure he I'll, didn't I'll make get, it
4: last year. I'll, get, I'll, get, get pretty, I'll have a
1: look. We'll have a look at the, yeah. that. So,
4: based on form, and he's and he, he is injury-prone. Now, the problem is people in the media, your Brian Taylor, these sort of people... You know, started off with the package and he's all this and he's all that. And he was quite... At one stage, he could have been anything, OK? But he comes out and plays a couple of big games and everybody says, look at him, you know? He's got to get the big bucks. He's got to be this, he's got to be
1: that what? Hang on, hang on, How Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan, did everybody yeah. say that he should get the big bucks, did he? Or did Gary oh, Lyons sorry, say God, today, sorry. did I just say today, that this is the perfect no. type of player to put I'm on not, an incentive-based contract?
4: It, well, I'm not saying you specifically. But what happens is, in the media... And in the, in the industry as such, which is self-perpetuating to itself, everyone, uh, the majority gets on the bandwagon. Yeah, he played out of his skin yesterday. By the way, that soccer goal that he kicked, he should have centred it.
1: Um, Do you reckon he was centred? Was- I got, I got a feeling he was centering it. He looked at Hooker. He looked at Hooker twice when he was running in. Well, he got lucky. He and got I, lucky. I, I, so I think saying- he actually was centering it. But anyway, keep going.
4: But I'm not, I'm not, I haven't slandered him at all. I'm just going on about... I just about,
1: felt you were going down a path yeah, that didn't nah, need to go No, I didn't.
4: And I didn't. I, no, more learned than that to do
1: that. All right. So I'm still not it, sure... Sorry, uh, okay. Jonathan, at the end of the day, I'm still not sure the point that you're making is, is what you're saying that you think people are pumping him up too much. Okay, there we go. So thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Um, it's a danger and, and it can sometimes happen, can't it? We can romanticise the great performances and forget about the other ones. And so there is certainly track records of that over time. But I think a lot of people, I, I, I actually haven't heard anybody saying that he's worth a million dollars a year or, or, or things like that. I think what they've said is if he played like that every week, he's worth a million dollars a year. But he doesn't play like that every every week. So what is he worth? So I actually, I don't think anyone's been um, hyperbole about him. I think it's people have been having a, a, quite a sort of centered conversation and a balanced conversation and a reasonable conversation around, well, if that's his best, then what's his best worth and how often do we get his best? And it's why people want to speak about him is because he's one of those really hard to categorize monetarily. But I appreciate the call, Jonathan, nonetheless. Paul's in East Burwood. G'day, Paul. Oh, boy,
4: Sam, thank you. Um, couple of things. The hero is, for me, was Harrison Jones um, on Sunday. For a young kid to stand up and clunk that many, it was sensational. Yeah. The villain... Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but the clock didn't go at 1.26 minutes to go. It stopped at 30 seconds. It didn't play on. So if Hawthorne had won the game after the siren, they had an extra 30 seconds... Maybe you can check that out. And just on a beside, the interview with Patrick Cripps, was there a truck reversing in the background? Could be a sign of the season, maybe.
1: (laughs) No. Paul, thank you very much. I haven't seen the clock. I'll go check it out and see if we can figure out what might have happened there. Uh one three hundred, seven three six, seven three six. Still some time for your heroes and villains nomination. And uh that's to to Jonathan's point before, and it was a good one. Stringer hasn't finished in the top ten. Of the BNF since joining the club in 2018, so that's uh, it's a good point, well made by Jonathan. There, one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three nine eight eleven sixteen, and this is a good point too. Stringer came back from a bad injury last year, um, so there's the injury issues as well that would prevent him from getting into some top eight, uh, sorry top ten, best and fairest counts. One three hundred seven three six Seven three six. I've still got a couple of villains to throw up. I'll do that on the other side of this. You're listening to the sporting capital with Sam Hargraves
0: on S. E. M. And Carlton strikes me as that club at the moment that that like the idea of being the big club, mm. having the big supporters, um, having the big backing, playing on the big stage, but they haven't got the sacrifice and what actually comes with being hard nosed pros day to day, and it's telling in their effort. Mm. You'll see throughout all the footy shows this week, they'll go behind the goals and show some efforts. Show some efforts where it just becomes too hard. It's too hard. Yeah, lucky dip footy, and it, and it t- told in the end last night.
1: Michael Barlow didn't hold back either to Nick Dalsano on AFL Nation yesterday. Uh, Michael Barlow talking about the entitlement uh, that seems to exist at Carlton as well uh, and lacking that hard-nosed professional standard that the successful clubs all maintain. Uh, So what to do about Carlton, who are my first villain nomination tonight? I mean, David Teague was the coach that you wanted, and yet they don't seem to be playing for him. Why is that and how does that happen? In your first game after a review's been announced, which is embarrassing for the club to have to be going through. So all you would have expected is for the, the come out breathing fire, to come out snarling, to, to come out and show exactly what you stand for. If I was a Carlton fan, that's all I would have wanted to see. It wouldn't even have been about the win. It just would have been about the intent shown, the, the standard that you would have set, the the intensity that you brought to, to, to the to the game. And it was just non-existent. Got beaten in the tackle count and the possession count. The Giants had 120 uncontested marks, which experts will tell you leads to. And that all points to being outworked and outrun. So what to do? Another last quarter lost in a winnable game. 15th in the comp for pressure. Who is leading by example? Who's putting their hand up to sacrifice and do do a hard job? Who's going to put their hand up next time to play on Liam Ryan or next time on Toby Green to say, uh-uh, not, this is not going to happen here, not going to happen now. So oh, it's a real concern, isn't it? What was that? I, I was stunned. I was watching that game actually stunned and thinking if my grandfather, who was a died in the Will Carlton fan, was still alive... He probably would have thrown the TV out the window, uh, I reckon. one uh, heroes and villains. few still more to get through. Hey, whoever set the ticket prices at Hobart, at Blundstone, that's a villain nomination for you. We're told we, we had a bit of a crack at, at people in Hobart for not turning up because Launceston sent the statement to the AFL loud and clear saying, we deserve a team and there is an appetite for a team and you don't have any choice but to give us a team, this is what you'll get, unconditional support. There was barely anybody at Blundstone Arena. Now I know Dark Mofo was on, there's a lot of free events there. And I asked why people didn't go. 50 bucks to stand on a hill and 75 bucks to sit in the st- to sit in the stand. That is outrageous. So whoever set those prices, that's a villain nomination. So I can understand why people couldn't afford to go. I still think that there could have been more that should have gone. And don't don't give the AFL a reason to point. Don't give anyone a reason to point to lack of support or people don't care. Don't allow anybody to be able to make that argument for you. Thankfully, we got what we got at Lonnie yesterday and hopefully that sent a clear enough message to cover for both games. Uh, a Villa nomination. I hate to do this, but Toby Green, who I love, Joel Selwood, who I love. can we, Punching, hitting. When, when are we going to get serious on this? We'd rather try and throw David McKay under the bus, one of the fairest players that's ever played, been accused of not going hard enough in his time. Um, we'd rather try and throw him under the bus than what we would removing acts from the game. And David King spoke today about if you want to stop people from punching, if you want to stop people from elbowing, if you want to stop people from doing those kind of things, which look far worse, then suspend. Fines don't do anything, and it shows we don't care. A fine shows we don't care because it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt. And David King said that a, 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 a suspension hurts the team, not just the player. A fine only hurts the player, and they play again that week. It's sacrilegious for a Bendigo person to bag Joel Selwood, so and I feel dirty doing it. Um, but he is the Auskick ambassador as well, so it just wasn't a great look for him, and I have nothing but admiration and respect for. Him. But those incidents, and he, and those two are, uh, are, are part of a plethora of those incidents that happen week in, week out, and the AFL doesn't care. The Gold Coast are a villain nomination this week. The sins of the past seem to be getting repeated here. We speak about eras of entitlement. I don't know how you put the cart before the horse, but where, where, where is the accountability? Where are the standards that say that if you don't perform, you don't play? When we've got young players in their second and third years getting paid monstrous money that seasoned veterans are lucky to get... They need to play a thrilling brand of footy to the Suns. B, look at the Orlando Magic when they came in. They just played fun basketball and they started to win. We need the Suns to actually be a fun team to watch and they're anything but. That just was appalling what we saw from the Suns. And how long do we let them off the hook for before we demand better standards from, from them? If only their performances on the field were blossoming as well as the kick numbers and the uh, participation numbers, which is why we need to persist with it because it, we will win but just not at the moment. 1-3, that's it, actually, that's it. BP's up next with the first serve, so stick around for that. NBL show tonight as well to review games one and two so far, and we will talk about the games to come. First serve next.